Welcome on into the show. It's 2023. This is the tune-up. He is the snare campaign provocateur. Um, you know, he's just mixing and matching down there every single day of the week. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? You know, Denny, I I, I think your fantasy basketball team here is a microcosm, you oh, know, of you and career? what you just told me. Oh. You know? You got to take some chances. Can that be your New Year's resolution, 2023? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, the same guy who says he doesn't want to get out of his apartment is the same one who drafts Chris Paul, <laughs> LeBron James on the same team. You're going for the senior citizen lineup, Zion, the injury case. You know, if it wasn't for Jared Vanderbilt and, and Sangoon, <laughs> you'd be you'd be in the Kelvin lead, Johnson. Yeah, come on. <laughs> oh, right. man. Hey, if you want to open up my five minute journal, you you can see a, a whole lot of goals and chances that we've uh, took in the last year and trying to take in 2023. So see, this, is what, this is what I would do with endless money, Denny. You know, yeah. James Cameron builds submarines. I would I would uh, conduct studies through Stanford University mm-hmm. to see the parallels between your fantasy basketball drafting techniques and and personality. Damn. It's got to be something there, you know. You know, you said if I had all of this James Cameron money, and I'm like, oh, like, do you want to fund a movie? And then you just went straight to my fantasy basketball team. <laughs> but just like the level of importance in my life is crazy. Well, this goes to show you what's important to me. If I okay. had James Cameron money, I'm not exploring the sea as he does. <laughs> I'm not exploring space. I'm not building rocket ships, I'm not curing anything. I'm just further exploring the bizarre gray areas that keep me up at night and i enjoy you know yeah and we will talk about james cameron in just a little bit golden globes coming back at you but oh that's good the way of water i went Mm. to see it yeah come on you love it we'll get to that in a little bit (laughs) what else is new out here creating exporting exfoliating doing all the fixes yeah i was getting made fun of last night uh because I was talking about a song saying it was 12 bars too long. And the people were saying, Oh, you're in full on studio mode, aren't you? And it's true. It's, 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 uh, when you get this far into like writing and recording a record, everything musical turns into like, to me, it just turns into like research and then start cutting it apart and seeing what they're doing, what I can do. And it, I like it. It's a very cerebral experience and kind of a fun journey that uh, that I missed going through. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Do we have an update on the list of inspo? Oh, it's all over the map. Yeah. You know, I even I it, it's interesting because when I was first going into this record, I was like, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to listen to any traditional rock and roll like. I'm going from soul elements. I'm going from R&B elements, hip hop elements, like different places and even newer bands where I'm like, they're not, they're drawing from different places and different rhythmic patterns. Then I'm getting some demos where, you know, guitars are going a certain way. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, I got to remember how to just like rock out normally. You know what I mean? And I found myself even practicing this morning. And what were a couple of the songs I was playing? Uh, What's that real nice fast Pearl Jam one? <laughs> oh, the... oh, no. What's that? Corduroy? No, no. Um, that one. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Is that the Simmons song? And uh, no, no, not that one. The Mercy Me Alkaline mm-hmm. Trio, which mm-hmm. just has like this killer 
killer groove, like a punk rock groove. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting when you get into that uh, pocket, you know, there's only a few places you can go. You know, you can do this forward pattern, uh, 16th notes up top, which end up going into like Ramon slash Teenage Bottle Rocket land. And then you can pull from different eras. But when you hear a song like Mercy Me, for me, that's like, oh, cool. That's like a different approach in making a punk rock song. And it's got things in it that make it interesting. And that's always what I strive to do, you know? So that's what I'm going for right now. I love it. You're like Chris Paul later in the game, adding the mid-range jump shot. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I, I cut out meat. This is me on the plant-based diet. <laughs> Shed some pounds. You got to get a little craftier, you know, to, to stay relevant in this game. Oh, well, Listen, you know what's better athletes hot on my toes, Denny. You know what segment is hot on the toes every single week? It's leaning up. It's cutting out the meat. You want to know what it is, Benny? I do. I'm dying to know. It's just day music history. Come on. What do you got? All right. So it's more this day in baby history. Okay. This babies. Okay. This day, 10 years ago, 2012, Beyonce and Jay-Z have their first child. Blue Ivy Carter. That's right. Happy birthday, Minnie Hove, by the way. I know you're a listener. Uh, so the reason I brought this up is like, usually I wouldn't bring up someone's kid, but this is a 10-year-old kid. We're getting singles or something soon, right? Like, yeah. how long? how old was uh, Jaden Smith when we started getting jams and like these kids raised in the industry? I mean, they're pre-teens, 12, 13. Yeah. I mean, I got to assume they got a pretty nice studio in their house. I <laughs> got a an engineer and production team like on retainer. Just whenever either of them have an idea, they can walk downstairs and be like, hey, Jim, <laughs> fire up the billion dollar studio we have. So that kind of access. And uh, I don't know if it's a natural inclination or not, like the little kid in Jerry Maguire. But uh, I don't know. I think we're going to have a a uh, blue ivy hot track coming out pretty soon willow as she goes by now will and jaden's kid came out with her first thing i believe that was 2011 2012 Uh so i think that's around the same timeline so hey you gotta deliver the hits kid it's coming so this is the question you know is with jay-z and beyonce together are we getting hip-hop we getting we getting pop you know what maybe just like to fuck with parents it's gonna be like it's gonna be like metal yeah like big metallica fan or something she's gonna sound like paramore (laughs) honest maybe yeah it's gonna be paramore with like uh digital beats for sure no new jersey's own scissor kind of going take taking that approach on her new album I, i don't know if you've messed around with that in like your drumming discovery but uh maplewood's own doing some pretty interesting things i haven't heard that but it's pretty um apparent in pop music these days the the influences coming from like emo and you know 80s post-punk and stuff like that like it's right there especially in the beats it's nice to hear i don't care i can't wait for one of these uh TikTok people to sample 59 sound. You got to stop saying TikTok like that or else we're just going to get aged out of everything. These TikTok people. I mean, 
I'm pushing 30. I'm pushing 30. All right. What's yours? What's yours? All right. This day? So on this day in 2017, and I'm sure I already did this one, Norway announced that it would become the first country in the world to gradually stop using FM radio network. The move, which aimed to ditch the analog platform in favor of a digital one called digital audio broadcasting, would bring a clearer sound to the nation's 5 million people. Now, in America, I don't think you will ever see them like fully go away from this just because of what FM radio means here. Yeah. But um, it's already, you know, the people have already kind of chosen going away from FM radio, but I don't think that the country would ever be like, Cousin Brucey, you're done. No, no, we couldn't pull the plug like that. And that's where, you know, Norway and a lot of Scandinavian <laughs> countries get to you know, flout certain things that just aren't even possible here, especially being that New Jersey has more humans than Norway does by a fair margin. Um, but for them, sounds great. I bet I bet they get crystal clear radio. Good for you, Norway. Right. You live the longest. You have the greatest uh, joy in life. You get the crystal clear radio. I guess I should have been born a Viking, you know? Oh, well, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure you'll get back to... Oh my gosh! I almost made a massive ge ge geography error. Moving on, a geography right. error. I was almost gonna be like, "Well, you're gonna be back to Aarhus," but that is not Norway. That is Denmark. So sure is nice city right. though. Yeah, very nice. Good arts community. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, speaking of the arts, Benny, our first headline mm -hmm. today, mm -hmm. and obviously we're going to get to the Demar Hamlin story when we get to the sports part. Um, but we're going to start off with a little bit of fun here and a group that has uh controversially made their way back into the public mainframe uh the international foreign press's golden globes is back for its 80th edition after being off of tv last year because of uh their their uh, controversy in their voting and everything like that so i wasn't televised last year back this year on tuesday so it got the it got kicked from sunday night to tuesday like it's great gray's anatomy in 2011 uh the show was moved as i said uh it'll be on January 10th on NBC and Peacock, hosted by one of my favorite comedians, Gerard Carmichael, as they honor Eddie Murphy and Ryan Murphy. Not related, in case you want to. All right. But, Benny, I wanted to use this as an opportunity to talk about the movies, the pictures, and the stuff that we've seen along the way. That's right. Uh, we got some Best Pictures nominated for in the drama department in a movie that you just saw, Avatar The Way of Water, a movie that I felt a lot of different ways about in Elvis, a movie that I love, The Fablemans, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. Great selection in the drama department. But first and foremost, I want to hear, you saw Avatar. I have not yet. Thoughts? Yeah. You know, all right. So, so it stays where you would expect it to stay, where... Um... You know, we're quickly bought to that world and it very effectively gets you caught up into that world and caught up into the story. They bring in some new characters where it's like smartly done, where you know who these characters are almost immediately and you're you're transformed to it, you know, and that's that was the power of that movie in the first place. Um, I got to say, I don't think I would bring a kid younger than uh I don't know yet, but not mine, because that's some like violent shit in that movie. And I forgot like that half of it is just avatars flying through the air with death screams, spearing people and, you know, uh, humans trying to blow them up. But, you know, the same thing that people will give it shit for the first time, they could give it shit for again, which is these sort of 
over the top slap you in the face sort of environmental messages communal messages social messages about how to live i know james cameron unabashedly put those things in in an effort to sway people to a direction but you know uh there's a couple things in that movie that are hard to swallow um and tough to watch but effective in the in the use and what they're trying to say so um you know as any of these movies by like an hour 45 minutes i'm like all right yeah i'm good to go here i think i know how this is going to pan out uh and then of course you know spoiler alert i'm sure you'll hear uh the way of water is not the end of the avatar series no and they make that abundantly clear at the end of this film that you're gonna have to be invested for more and there is not a close to the story not like uh one of my favorite shows right now fleischman is in trouble oh you like that i haven't started that with yet. a nice little bow last night mm. and i really enjoyed it um but yeah so i i give avatar like a, a hard b as far as like um it's stunning visually as as you would imagine and like i said you get lost in the world the same world that you kind of fell in love with the first time so it feels like you're going back uh characters are great you know a million holes of course <laughs> you have to stretch your imagination like a hundred times over uh you know and one other part about it that actually took a day or two to settle in is you know some of the interesting conversations we have about artificial intelligence um you know cloning uh what is human and what is not you know conversations that i think are in this movie sort of subversively that will probably become a little more prescient and 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 um and stable over time like i think uh there's a couple things in this film that we might run into in 20 30 years that actually contrast things that happened in this movie so it's going to be the anti blues brothers it's going to age incredibly well it's going to age like rob lowe okay cool. yeah no i think in about 50 years we'll just take some version of like the matrix uh, Avatar, Passion of the Christ, whatever, you know, mix them all together and we'll find our own strange reality, you know? <laughs> so where are you on the three-hour movie, though? Because I saw a movie that was also equal in length in Babylon. And yeah. let me tell you, the the best review I can give this is this was if Robert Downey Sr., you, you know, famed uh -huh. director of, like, Lower East Side movement in, like, the 70s, if he directed Singing in the Rain. Oh, so you could love that or you could hate that. Um, and it kind of saw a weird divide in the film community. The people that are like pretend to be like film hardcore kids and like really get into it are like, yeah, like I love to see an elephant shit on Diego Luna like two seconds into the movie. But an elephant shit on Diego Luna. I love this film hardcore kids. Yeah. When they really That's like real. something, do they open up a pit at the theater? hundred percent and they then they should. pour all of the hundreds of thousands of dollars they spent at film school so into do you day. recommend what's your siskel and eber grade do you recommend people to go see this film i would only if you are like if you would read a book on old hollywood and you want to see have some fun for two hours with margot robbie and brad pitt it's fun for two hours the third hour you're it starts to get a, a little trippy and kind of veers off into a, a way that's like man this popcorn really isn't sitting with me well at this point but um it's it does a really interesting thing with you know like orgies and like all of this stuff that makes it 
it's it's it it accomplishes its goal of making it like background noise. Does that okay. make sense? Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Honestly, you bored me with the description yeah, yeah, 20 yeah, yeah. seconds ago, yeah. and I'm not seeing this movie. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. So the other, um, so in, in the best picture, we talked about Avatar. Babylon's not in, in this one. It's going to come up later. Elvis Fableman's a movie I, I liked. It's a Steven Spielberg biopic. Tar, a movie that had me up until the very end. Kate uh, uh, Blanchett plays a conductor, and it's very fun. And then it veers off into like she goes to Thailand to find herself. Oh, no spoilers. End. Okay. Well, it doesn't <laughs> listen. If you if you're going to see Tar, you've already seen it by now. Um, but the way that it turned on me, I was just like, no, I wanted this to be one thing and it turned in a complete other way. And then the defending champion of the year, Top Gun Maverick, uh, which, you know, if any, if any award show is going to give uh, it, its flowers, it's going to be the Golden Globe. So, they, so what's your vote? I would go. Um, man, I, you know, I'd probably have to go Fableman's if I'm picking my favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, and then we also had, let's see, I'm, I'm not going to bore everybody with the actresses and the actors that are in, uh, in here. We're just going to bring you the highlights. I, I think the, uh, the actor in a motion picture conversation is going to be very interesting, especially as we move toward, uh, the Oscar season. We got Austin Butler as Elvis going up against Brendan Fraser in the whale. Love that movie. Um, and, and we got him going up against uh, Hugh Jackman, Jeremy Pope, and Bill Nye in The Living. Um, but just that head-to-head of Austin Butler uh, versus Brendan Fraser, kind of a Hollywood past versus Hollywood present is very interesting. Past meets future. Yeah. That's where you got to it's, – it's like a NBA battle through yeah. the eras you get to see. I love it's, it. It's like, it's like if we ever got to see Wemby go up against LeBron. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I kind of wanted to use this, you know, just, you know, we talked a lot about all of this, uh, Benny, I have, I put together for you just for this, a top five list of movies that are included in here, movies that inspired me in my writing and everything in 2022. Do you want to self-indulge me for a little bit? Yeah. Allow me to eat the snake a little bit. Sure. (laughs) All right. So a movie that's nominated in the, uh, musical or comedy category, uh, that was one of my favorite movies of the year. Banshees of Inisherin, dude. Oh yeah, you gotta see, see this it. movie. Gotta see it. Yeah, I gotta mean, see it. Yeah. Funny, but also like not. I don't know. It's it's very Irish, and if you love the humor of Irish people, you'll love this movie. Um, love that. And then uh, so that's on on my list of most inspiring movies. Another one that's been nominated and will get a lot of acclaim, and one that you also saw. Uh, Everything, everywhere, all at once. Love the Daniels. Uh, met these guys, not to drop a complete name here on it. Met these guys at the Directors Guild when I was out in L.A. Um, guys that came up directing music videos, uh, famously directed the Turn Down for What video. That's just a crazy music video if you've ever seen it. Um, and kind of brought some of that same energy to this movie. Made $100 million on a $14 million movie. You'll work for the rest of your life if you continue to do that. Yeah, that's great. So we got Banshees, we got everything. I mentioned The Whale. Um, and then the two other ones that I really love this year, they're not up for stuff. Uh, one I don't think has been like sold or distributed yet. Uh, good luck to you, Leo Grand. It's on Hulu. Um, it's got Emma Thompson as a woman searching. 
for her future uh, by finding the arms of a male escort. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason why I love this movie, one room, and you you kind of have to figure out how to channel all this woman's problems into one room, and it's shot in one room. It was shot during COVID. Very cool. And the last yeah. one is one that I've talked on here before about Sanctuary with Margaret Qualley. Once right. again, uh, in the same, in shot in one room, and this guy trying to figure out her life, his life, while Margaret Qualley tries to better hers. So the main theme here, people trying to figure out their shit in one room. Love that in 2022. This is when you see uh, art reflect real life after a couple years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's been sitting in a room in 2020 and now their movies are coming out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But how about you, Benny? Any Anything else on this front? That no, no. We like? talked about it all. Yeah, yeah. sounds cool. good. All right. All right. Because you want to get... Uh, oh, we got some AI. You brought up AI before. Let's get to this real quick. Um, next headline today, Benny. Apple has quietly released a catalog of AI-narrated audiobooks to carve out its place in a highly, highly lucrative and rapidly growing audiobook market. Um, the strategy moves them and may signal the beginning of the end for human narrators as, you know, um, and ha- have heightened scrutiny over allegations of Apple's anti-competitive behavior. Now, I think, you know, the, there's a whole lot of ways that we can go in AI. If you're on TikTok, every fourth TikTok you're going to see is about, oh, use chat CPGT XYZ or whatever to like <laughs> make a million dollars, which right. seems like a scam and a half. But yeah, yeah. do you like Apple getting in on this <clears throat> artificial intelligence and kind of coming at, uh, you know, creators and people that make art for a living? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, of course, like, what are we thinking Apple is and, you know, Apple will get into any space they can and maximize it any way they can. Um, you know, I didn't know too much about this prior as I'm not a huge audiobook listener, but, um, you know, so, so, but let me get this straight. They're not using the AI of celebrity voices. They're just using right. a random AI voice as if like a GPS is talking to me or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think some of the, you know, glamor of some of this stuff of listening to it is hearing some of those voices, you know, iconic voices. So as long as they're not, you know, I think that's where we could get into some interesting stuff where it's like, Oh, you know, listen to this AI version of like a dead celebrity. You know, like somebody who doesn't have the right to their own voice anymore, but their voice is iconic. Who owns their voice? And it's so easily manipulated now where you can put it into a machine and do that. So, you know, them churning out audiobooks with an AI voice uh, doesn't really offend me or, you know, and it kind of makes sense. But I do think this is starting a path that is really interesting. And not only this space, but obviously also music and art. Yeah, let me be slippery slope guy here because this is like gonna listen. If they start to get the little more so that people are okay with this, because at the end of the day, right, there are people that voice these over for a living that we don't know about because you know they just clock in and clock out, and it's taking away jobs. Uh, but shocker, tech trying to uh, get the bottom line down so that the stock price can go up there. So we see you, Apple. I don't support this because, like, what's what? What next? Then you're gonna take away, you know, like the guy who does the voiceover for like, like uh, New York City subway, and it just goes on and on. If if people realize that they can get away with it, yeah, you're right. And if you want to make a career now, 
don't use your voice. Be the person who knows how to program. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I hate this. I hate this. Oh, but here we geez. are. Hard stance. Hard stance, Danny. You will not get an AI, tune, AI tune-up anytime soon. We're going to be here whether well, <laughs> until this thing falls apart. I'd feel right. a little flattered if someone AI'd my voice. <laughs> I wouldn't listen to it. but <laughs> That's why I, I don't post you on TikTok. I, I don't want anybody... Trying to go all Ursula and the Little Mermaid and trying to steal Benny Horowitz's voice. Golden contract coming my right. way. Yeah. In perpetuity. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right, Benny. Let's talk well, about sports, huh? Let's let's get into a little bit of sports here. And Benny, uh, this story started out as a negative story, and but we got a little bit of good news for uh, the Buffalo Bills, Demar Hamlin. So the positive news here is that Demar Hamlin, who uh, on Monday Night Football, fell to the field, uh, suffering cardiac arrest. Um, luckily, the medical team was able to get in there, uh, get CPR on him enough to get and revive him a little bit to get him into the ambulance and to get him to the hospital. Well, today, as of Friday, uh, Damar Hamlin is off of the breathing tube and breathing on his own. He, he, he was even able to communicate with the people closest to him and the medical staff. So just great news all around. But uh, so we're very happy for him. Prayers continue to work and, and, you know, good vibes continue to work and all of that stuff. Um, but there's a lot of conversations to be had here after this event about uh, some negligence. But where do you want to start on the DeMar Hamlin uh, story here, Benny? Yeah, I mean, same as you, just like, you know, you strip it all back in the same way <clears throat> you saw those reactions of the players on the field. It's 24 year old kid, you know, and you're watching somebody in, in, in serious, serious peril. And it's horrifying to watch, you know? Um, so the first instinct is like, I don't give a shit about football. I don't care. I just hope this kid makes it. And I hope he has a good course. And, you know, I think it's remarkable what they were able to do on the field and how quickly they were able to bring them and get them sorted out. I mean, um, prayers up for sure, but also like respect to the medical staff and community and people who kept this dude alive. Uh, because that is, you know, a marvel in itself. And this happened 10, 20, 30 years ago. Like this guy's probably not with us, you know? So that's, you know, a perspective I would like to hear actually a little more. I think yeah. it's just that there were actual people on the ground who did phenomenal things that kept this kid alive. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, as far as negligence, I think, you know, you're always looking <laughs> something that has no answer is always looking for an answer, you know? And I think the, you know, once you saw the hit on the field didn't do anything and this didn't do anything, you're like, well, how could we have stopped this? And sure. Maybe like, you know, an even more in-depth physical process or something. But, you know, I don't know if there's like a sport. I don't know if there's an industry in the world where somebody's physical state is more closely examined than a professional athlete. Um, I'm sure this kid's had test after test. And hopefully maybe this is a cue where like there's a certain kind of test, a test of your heart, maybe regular EKGs or something you give to these people just to assure it because it's not the first time it happened, but, um, I'm not quick to blame anyone. I want to stay to the positive side of this, which is mm -hmm. the fact that this kid could have, you know, he could have not popped out of this. He could have not started breathing. He could still be on breathing support. And the fact that he's breathing on his own in this amount of time is remarkable. So I'm, uh, I'm feeling really positive about that. I think the NFL 
side a gigantic sigh of relief because they sort of get to like safely move on with their season without looking like pieces of shit. Um, so I think they're relieved in that regard and, you know, happy to see him doing well. Yeah, we're all happy to see him him doing well. And I think it's been very interesting to see how people have talked about this. They always lead with the hat because like the the human first. But then I kid you not, I was watching this game and this broadcast and no more than 90 minutes a- after the incident occurred, you started to hear the talk oh, of course. like, oh, week 18. Yeah. Like, are you joking me? No, and no. I'm not going to say who was saying this, but like, like, come on. Yeah. I mean, to some people, you know, these are just highly paid gladiators, yeah. you know, and they, they forget about the human part or they don't want the human part. And, yeah. you know, think like it or not, this is the modern age and you can't completely separate yourself anymore. People aren't machines. You got to know it, you know, and uh, and accept that. Yeah. The and the other interesting thing is that as of Friday, the NFL owners have approved a neutral site AFC championship game. So, you know, not to try to read the tea leaves here a little bit. This young man almost lost his life and the yeah. NFL owners are going to be like, oh, we can do neutral site Super Bowl and NFC AFC championship game. Yeah. Like, get the heck out of town. Show must go on. Oh, just like we must. NFL, get out of here. You're banned. No, just kidding. Um, all right. Benny, let's move to a league that acts. No, no, Denny, don't oh. go there. <laughs> don't do it, Denny. Let's go don't to the FGA, shall we? <laughs> sure. Not to, not to, you know, <laughs> step in it a little bit. <laughs> I, I didn't have that written. No, I was just close. ready to go there. Close. All right, to the NBA now. And the MVP conversation is so hot. So hot, Benny. Mm-hmm. Um, I made the mistake, the mistake of texting you. Uh, that the MVP was Jason Tatum's to lose right now, especially after Christmas and what he did dropped on Luca and the Mavs on Thursday night. Uh, the, these conversations for me kind of become, you know, semantics, especially uh, if, because we're not ever doing this by like just blind resumes. If you're doing that, I think Jokic is the MVP by like a mile, but where to kind of stand uh, on this. I feel like you kind of need something extraordinary or at least a championship in that stretch to get three straight MVPs. But I feel like you feel differently about the MVP conversation. I, you know, we're, I think we're starting to get to a landscape with Jokic because of advanced metrics and how unusually good he is inside of those metrics and how unusually dominant he is in every aspect of the game. The fact that his team's in first place, like, there's no reason not to vote for him. And I think you're getting into a space with him the way, you know, LeBron was for years and some other guys are for years where it's like, if you want to vote this guy for MVP every year? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? You know, there's nothing wrong here. And like, uh, if this team keeps it up at this pace, watching him toy with offenses, I mean, you see him on national TV last night, like literally just (laughs) toying toying around like he gets the ball in the middle of the court and he can do everything every single way and everybody knows it and it's it's an unstoppable force out there so but you can make such a clear case for other people in this conversation like you can make a clear case right now for who durant tatum Mm -hmm. Giannis, Mm -hmm. and luca Luca. and the thing that separates me here and the reason i am gonna 
cast my current vote in this direction is the the concept of the MVP award, which is who's most valuable to their team. I think Denver is a pretty good team this year. You know, they're deeper than they were. They have a couple more pieces than they were. The thing I see here that's most remarkable is kind of this piece of shit Dallas team staying afloat. <laughs> and the, you know, the closest comparison I can think of in my, you know, mind here is those early LeBron Cavaliers teams where you just single usage player being so important to one team and everything being on this one person and the amount of work that they have to do on any given night to win is remarkable. And to me, that's what's setting Luca for the MVP apart from the others right now is who else in their current situations being Durant, Jokic, Giannis, or Tatum has to work harder than Luca to get it done. And with an even playing field and, you know, a lot of arguments to be made for all of them, that is what's determining my current pick. So you're going Luca as, as of right now, you're going Luca. I am. I am. So that's, that adds a whole other monkey wrench into the thing. They just on Friday, uh, released Kemba Walker, who kind of was like, a like, a. Uh, didn't really pan out for him and yet another stop. It's going to be interesting to see if he gets another chance in, in, in league, but no, um, you know, I think you kind of, when you're doing this MVP conversation, you need to look at like the head to heads and how these guys do against each other, Luca. And, you know, I know it's a regular season award, but you also have to look at, uh, playoff performance, and I believe they got to the fi- uh, conference finals last year. He took him all the way there, but man, he's gonna really need to, to do something different. And he also has the benefit of being in Dallas, and they're not gonna be as tough on him uh, e- externally in the organization. Maybe Mark Cuban will come down on him, but I don't know. And I do, and as usual, I mean, we're at like you know, game what 35 30, here, yeah. 30, 35, like, um this can change so fast, you know, and like, there are going to be people who'd hear this would be like, seriously, you're not even talking about Embiid who had two 50 point games and leads the league in scoring currently for his center. I just heard a stat where the last uh, true center to score two 50 point games in a season was David Robinson in 1994. So, you know, Embiid's and then you could really start to make a case for John Morant. You know, if Steph Curry comes back and the Warriors make a run, he's right back. If, uh, Zion comes back and they make a run. He's right back. So I think it's still wide open, but, but right now I'm with the, uh, Vegas odds. You know, what we got right now, we got Luca 300 to one uh-huh. Giannis 350, Jason Tatum, 425, Jokic 500, Kevin Durant 700. So that's the top five right now. Ooh, I would take either those Tatum or those Durant odds there because man, the, the the Tatum stuff here is fascinating. You know, the MVP as the way like the league kind of use it uses it as is or at least the way the media uses it, it's trying to crown the next guy, so to speak. I mean, yeah. we've seen this going back to Definitely. Durant through Kerry and Giannis, and and I think getting to the finals proved a lot to the media about Jason Tatum. Um, the way that you know the Celtics have been able to withstand the offseason turmoil and come back almost bigger and better. And, that, and uh, you know, the way he's been able to do it on both ends of the floor still, uh, there's been a lot of questions recently about Jalen Brown's defense. Jason Tatum still keeps it going while being the spark plug for this team. Um, 
don't get me wrong. I think Boston would probably still be top four without Tatum, but they're not in the championship conversation without Tatum. I might get off this podcast and put money down on these Jokic five to one. I know, right? Fuck out of here. (laughs) Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. What's next? All right. All right. So we, uh, you know, we talked about the MVP here. I've, I I really thought that you were going to get on more of a Kevin Durant soapbox here. I, I know what you're doing because I did this with the Bucks in the playoffs. You're trying to downplay this run. You're trying to downplay no, the run. No, no, no. He's right there. He's right there. He's <laughs> just not there yet. He's not there. All right. Well, speaking of the team that Jokic made look silly on Thursday night, the Los Angeles Clippers um, just just falling apart at the wheel. Um, they came out flat again. Um, they came in losers of three straight against Denver. Unfortunately, they are meeting the number one team in the Western Conference and a potential three-time MVP, three-straight-time MVP in Jokic. Uh, they fell on Thursday night, 122-91. Uh, we've been hearing since 2019, oh, the Clippers are coming. The Clippers are coming. And it's starting to sound a bit like the boy that cried wolf. So yeah. uh, what do you make of uh, the Clippers, you know, making Marcus Morris play like all sorts of different kind of roles on this team? Like it's just wild out there. Yeah. Now that the Nets are on a run they're they are officially the greatest metaphorical team we have in the league, you know, um, just this Kawhi Paul George thing, you know, it's the great, you know, tandem that they, they thought on paper and, at times we we get tastes where we're like, wow, this is special and this could be special and we just don't get enough of it. And that to me is just the simple problem with the Clippers right now. I mean, the defense is pretty good. Like, you know, they're they're above average defense and it seems like it's mostly about health and availability. I mean, PG's missed a lot of time already, um, you know, and you're bound to see more. Kawhi's looking at, what, 45 games tops because he's you know, never going to play more than, you know, two games a week at this point. Um, Wall has been in and out. And, you know, they're really leaning on these, you know, Batums and Terrence Manns and Kennard who's having a good season, but you got to carry too much weight in those spots and they just don't have like the guy when Kawhi and PG are out. Um, So, you know, again, like you start to put these guys on the floor together and you see certain games and they're still above, 500 and they're you know what the five or six seed right now and you know when Kawhi and pg are playing together and you'll get these games where they'll beat a very good team and all of a sudden you start scratching your head again you're like well you know when they look like this they're right there but you know they feel so behind the top teams in the west right now you know these denvers and uh memphis and you know teams like that seem to really be finding you know, their gear and heading in the right direction going towards the playoffs. And, you know, that's going to be tough to beat for the Clippers. If you just start finding your rhythm by like game 60, game 70, you know, like the, the that's probably not enough. And then you just got to question the fact that like, you know, if you're seeing this now in the regular season, what are the chances we're going to get through four rounds of the playoffs with these guys staying, staying together too. So uh, I don't know. It's kind of kind of looking a little a little dismal to me, not out of the realm of possibility that they'll still be a good team. But, you know, as far as the, the getting out of the West, I mean, just this, it's looking slimmer and slimmer. 
You know this as much as anybody. Connectivity is the key to basketball mm. that not enough people talk about. They've played four games at full strength this whole year. They've had <laughs> Kawhi and Paul George together for 15 of those games. Mm. So, I mean, like the Nets last year, you needed the connectivity. They're having yeah. more of it this year, and they're, and they're going to have more success. How about this? I'm going to bait you into it. Bait uh-huh. you into a bold Nets prediction. Come on. All right. Benny. It's time to go to Utah, go skiing. That's right. We're talking NBA all-star voting. The first returns are in. Have you seen these? Do you see who the fans want to go skiing on the slopes of Utah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as usual, I see more votes for what Andrew Wiggins than That's than right. Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So, of course, the people have spoken and the people are dumb. The people in the Western Conference, uh, LeBron, the top vote getter, Jokic, number two, Anthony Davis coming in at number three, Zion at number four, Zion on skis, though. I, I want to see it. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, number five, Paul George, number six, the hometown guy, Laurie Markkinen, having the season, deserves to be there, coming in at number seven, Draymond at number eight, uh, Kawhi Leonard coming in at nine, uh, Kevon Looney at ten. Uh, do you want me to roll through the Eastern Conference front court as well? Sure, sure. All right, Kevin Durant, top vote getter in the Eastern Conference front court, uh, followed by Giannis, Embiid, Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Pascal Siakam, uh, Kyle Kuzma, Paolo Bancaro coming in at mm-hmm. eight. Shout out to Orlando. Yeah. Uh, Nick Claxton and Jared Allen. Oh my gosh, man, you could have had man that that would have been crazy <laughs> if Claxton and J- Jared Allen got to grow together. Um, all right, the guards in the Western Conference, we have. Uh, top vote getter, Steph Curry, followed by your guy, Luka Doncic. Number three, coming in, John Morant. Uh, OKC showing out for Shea at number four. Uh, Clay Thompson, number five. Uh, Westbrook getting some votes. Oh, boy. Uh, Damian Lillard, number seven. Booker, eight. Austin Reeves, welcome to the party Woo! at number nine. <laughs> Jordan right, Paul at number 10. And then in the Eastern Conference, uh, NBA fans said, what scandal? Kyrie Irving coming in at number one. Donovan Mitchell coming in at number two, James Harden three, uh, Jalen Brown at four, Trey Young at five, DeMar DeRozan at six, LaMelo, your guy at seven, Tyrese Halliburton at eight, uh, Derek Rose at nine, Darius Garland at Rose at nine. I mean, right. Derek Rose is, has gotten more DNPs and minutes this year. This is why, you know, they almost, this is ridiculous, this exercise, but All right. 50% of the fan vote. Yeah. All right. So what are we doing here? We Are we, yeah. we giving our all-star predictions yeah. or what so we think is going to be there? We both went and voted and yeah. I think we should share the results. So Benny. Okay. Let's go. After you. All right. So I'm going to start here in the East. Yeah. We're in the backcourt. I got Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brown. This was a tough call, but it was not for Kyrie Irving. It was for Tyrese Halliburton, who I heard was eighth in in the voting i mean if there's not a more remarkable uh team in the east with somebody carrying an entire team on his back it's tyree saliber and he's having a great season i think you can make a case here for Kyrie, for darius garland even for tyler hero um but i got donovan mitchell jalen brown in the backcourt front court a little tough because this is where you got and it's going to come up in the um uh, all nba discussion as well where you have a glut of Embiid, Giannis, Kevin Durant, and Tatum. One of them has to be left off. I wish you could play off Tatum as a shooting guard, but you can't. Um, So in this case, I left off the the highest scoring player in the league in Embiid, playing only 28 games so far. Sixers are up and down. 
Um, and Giannis, Katie, and uh, Tatum have just been been solid, solid all year. So that's who I got. Oh, all right. You know, uh, I, I, I was not surprised that you brought up Halliburton, but so I went with him. Uh, okay. I got Donovan Mitchell, Tyrese Halliburton. Love it. Love it. I think, you know, man, people weren't watching the Pacers like that. And I think if he's going to get in, he, uh, he, you know, he doesn't owe Wally Zerbiak anything for Wally Zerbiak getting on MSG and calling him a fake all-star. That whole thing, that was crazy. Terrible. But, you know, it at least brought him some attention nationally. So that was cool. So I got Mitchell and Halliburton as your guards. And then at my forwards, I got Kevin Durant, your guy, Giannis Antetokounmpo, my guy. And then in the last spot, I've got my MVP, Jason Tatum. You got to. So we got the same yeah. same front court. Only changes. You got Halliburton over Brown, which is totally fair. Yeah. I just don't. You know, it's going to be the first year thing. Yeah. First time All Star is not going to start. It's one of those yeah. weird things. Unless All right, it's like I, a love weird I love it. Trey Young thing. We're Remember pretty when similar. Trey Young first got in, and then yeah. yeah, yeah, he's nowhere near it this year. Yeah. All right, let's move out west then. Let's do it. Okay. My backcourt out west. You know what? Curry's missed too many games. I got Luca and I got Ja. Mm, I, like I think that. SGA is close behind. He's going to do well in the vote for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, one of them being the shining star of Canada. He <laughs> is. Um, and then in the front court, Jokic was the only sure thing for me. You know, um, so I, you know, you're left there with this. Do I go LeBron? Do I go Zion? And I got to say, I went with Zion. Because even though he's missed a little time when he's being in, it's been one of the most dominant players in the league. And and I expect more of that this year. And then here's my wild card over LeBron James and over DeMontis Sabonis. I believe you can make a strong case for Larry Markinen. Mm. I think uh, he's 25 points per game. He's 42% from three on a team who people expected to tank. Uh, you know, LeBron has played 28 games on a terrible team. Um, Sabonis, you know, I would say is right there, but the scoring is just a little too far behind. And, uh, yeah. And I think Zion's just too dominant when he's on the court. So I got Jokic, Zion, Larry Markinen. So at my guard position, I agree with you in terms of, uh, Doncic. And I also agree with you in terms of, of, of Curry, right? No, that, I had Ja. I got Ja. Right, right. I agree oh, with oh, you Curry that Curry hasn't house. played the Got games. I think he'll get the votes. And by oh, all, of course, he'll get them. Yeah. 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 So it will be Doncic and Curry like that, um, which I think really so, man, the amount of times that Steph's going to have to go to Utah, he's got has his documentary premiering at Sundance yeah. uh, in two weeks. And then he's going to go back for all star. Just man. I hope he likes skiing that guy. Um, I hope all should. these guys stay off the slopes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, and then at my forward center positions, I have Jokic, right? Mm-hmm. I have Sabonis. I I went Sabonis. Ah, you you got it. You got Good it. For you. Good for you. And then Benny, the sweet music, the sweetest music of all. I got the chance to look LeBron James, a guy who's <laughs> going for the scoring title, straight in the face. And say, I'm sorry, kid. Wait, maybe next year. Maybe with Bronny. So Jokic, Zion, and Sabonis. I love it. I love it. I've actually it. got a real beef with Le- LeBron James. This, 
you know, I don't like how much we've talked about the fantasy basketball league on the show. LeBron James is mm, he's 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 taking it to me. He's like, oh, you think you're gonna win this week? I'm gonna sit out every single Sunday, and you're not gonna get all the rebounds. And shit this is mean. the problem with all of it. Is like two years ago, a bunch of people sat around, or what? Maybe a year and a half ago now, whatever it was, sat around being like, hey, LeBron's getting older. You got to find some people who can take minutes from. Anyone who liked the Russell Westbrook trade, that was the justification, was the idea that LeBron could take a night off and Russell could handle the workload. And of course, here he goes again. He's probably carrying the worst team he's ever had on his back, just like the like 08 Cavs. Poor kid. But, you know, the one thing, and I said it last week and I'll say it again, LeBron, when he gets to play, gets to put up as many fucking shots as he wants. And he gets to safely go towards that scoring record. So I don't think he totally minds being the highest usage player on the planet, you know? And I'm, I'm sure he would rather not be in Utah in February. I'm sure he'd rather be up there at the Brentwood Country Mart. Well, he's still going to be there. He's <laughs> yeah, just not yeah. going to start. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. All-Stars MVP, your one-stop shop for basketball conversation right here. Love it. Uh, plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at the tune-up podcast at gmail.com. Two P's in there. Follow us on all the social platforms at the tune-up HQ. Um, if you want to follow the big man, he is at Benny Horowitz on Instagram. The contents there, it's flowing. It's like it, it's like a fine champagne. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> And speaking of content also flowing, it's flowing at the TuneUp YouTube channel. Go there, subscribe, be part of the party on Instagram. I'm at Denny Gallagher as well. We're just uh, oodles and boodles of content. Hit me in the face. Benny, you got anything else? Yeah, set your fantasy lineup. And if you want, you could trade me Bam Adebayo, okay? I'll let you. I'll let you. (laughs) You'll let me. Okay. Well, the show has ended. We're going to try to go in peace after that disrespectful offer. But the show has ended. Go in peace. You've been listening to and watching The Tune-Up. <laughs>